Hey, and welcome to episode 14 of the Thodcast. I'm Philip Elke, and I'm joined by Jody Pulaski. Hey, Jody. Hey, everyone. And also my brother, Dawson Elke. Hey, Dawson. Howdy there. Hey, welcome, welcome. Yeah, you're listening to the Thodcast, conversations about animation. Uh, and yeah, today we are here to talk about an animated movie in honor of this Sunday, which is February 3rd, 2319, as you could say it, um, we're gonna be reviewing Monsters Incorporated. Of course, it's the famous scene in Monsters Inc. where uh, one of the monsters comes into contact with the forbidden human artifact, uh, AKA a, a child's sock, and um, <laughs> has to be uh, decontaminated as a result. And, the code for that with in uh, Monsters Incorporated lingo is 2319. Um, and, and yeah, this is the first time, or the only time we'll be getting a 2319 date um, for the next 100 years. So, uh, hey guys, how are you all today? Are you ready to talk about some, uh, some Pixar? Let's dive right into Pixar. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about this one. Let's go through the door. We'll, we'll enter into the door, into the uh, etheric plane of quantum teleportation that enables the bridge between the monster world and our own. Um, and yeah, this is the third, fourth, uh, like the third franchise from Pixar, but the fourth film. Um, it's the first uh, Pixar film directed by someone other than John Lasseter, uh, directed by fellow Minnesotan, uh, we, we are all Minnesotans here, um, fellow Minnesotan, Pete Doctor. Oh, Pete, I remember him so well. He was so good at basketball. <laughs> he was in high school and, well, and hockey too, but you know, he wasn't the typical Minnesotan. He, anyway, where did he grow up? Do you know? I don't know. I'm Bloomington, maybe? Um, Bloomington. <laughs> I'm yeah. Pete Doctor from Bloomington. <laughs> People may go to the Mall of America, but my daddy owns the Mall of America. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Kidding, Pete's probably not a puppet. We love Pete Doctor, is what I, I do anyway. I don't he's, know. He's a genius. Mm -hmm. um, and he's, he's currently chief creative officer at Pixar after John Lasseter stepped down. Well, it's funny. How do we know he's a genius? How do we know anyone's a genius is a good question, but specifically Pete Doctor. Like, I, I mean, I knew of him and I saw Inside Out. I've seen his films. I know how good they are. But then in some of the behind the scenes for Monsters, Inc., like they're all sitting at a round table, John and, or, or John Lasseter wasn't there, right? But No, Bob it was, Peterson. yeah, Bob Peterson, Darla K. Anderson, Pete Doctor, and Lee Unkrich. Uh, Unkrich was also a co-director on Monsters, Inc. So it was mostly... Writers, directors, designers, anyway. They're sitting there with Pete Doctor, and he just, he seems like a dude, like a normal dude who's like, I, I got this job, I made a thing, like, I screwed up a lot, people had to come help me. Like, he didn't, he didn't seem like textbook definition genius, but it, he is, apparently, according to you. So, like, what, what do you think? Oh, makes just, just because, like, he was able to take... I mean, he maybe isn't necessarily more 
creative than you know an average person but he at least um i mean he definitely is but whether or not like he was able to take that creativity and make it into something um very special you know throughout his career and i think that that is like the true embodiment of genius if you're able to um take your your skills and your talents and, and make something so impactful out of them he must not only be extremely creative but just an exceptionally good communicator and leader that would seem like probably mm -hmm. would have to be yeah, his top I think strength that big you'd have to be really good at you know being clear with your communication and things like that he must have been there for all the all the toy story ones too then because isn't that the same time frame did he work for them at the time? Yeah, yeah, he was with Pixar since the very early 90s, like I think 1991. Um, he uh, he graduated from Cal Arts in Santa Clarita. It's a college dedicated to uh, visual and performing arts. And uh, the day like after he graduated, he went up to Pixar and began working for them. Dang. He actually did one yeah. year. I think he, he did one year at the U of M, University of Minnesota. Wow. We kind of know a famous person. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. yeah, I I mean, he's done talks up there in the Twin Cities, but like you, uh, Dawson, probably never saw him or met him or anything. I've never seen him. I met a couple of Pixar uh, artists, but... Um, lower food chain people mm -hmm. yeah, he, yeah he was from bloomington um the the movie monsters inc yeah, let's talk about the movie now took, we've, we've, well we've, we've met the man now the movie i mean it was or released in 2001 uh and it took five years to make so you began work in like boyhood yeah, <laughs> it took five, 12 years to make it. So it's a, just kidding. It, it, I mean, does it feel like a movie that took five years to? And, and of course, that's not terribly uncommon for animation. Although um, it wasn't necessarily, it was never stuck in development hell. I mean, that was like five pretty solid years of a healthy chunk of Pixar's workforce dedicated I'd to. Say it feels like a very finely tuned movie. Like this movie, it has no, it it doesn't meander anywhere. It is so tightly structured and so good in that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very very good movie. Uh, so then, and Jody, what are what are your impressions of Monsters Inc? Well, at first I was trying to think how old I was when I originally saw it because I know I saw this one in theaters as a kid. And then I've seen it again a little more recently, um, not as recently as you guys have. But I wanted to say just what Dawson said. It's such a good, like, clean, smooth plot. And the characters are really dynamic with each other. Mike, Sully, Boo, um, Randall. That I think, I, I really like it. I think it's one of their better movies. I'm not a huge Pixar person. Like, I'm not a fan of Toy Story um, or Incredibles, things like that. But I think Monsters, Inc., it did a really good job. Five years of work, well worth it. Well said. All right. So the movie centers around uh, two lead characters played by Billy Crystal and John Goodman. Uh, a, sort of a buddy comedy um, with with some romantic comedy flavor. Uh, you know, you can maybe 
pick up on some cues from when Harry met Sally. I mean, what Billy Crystal, that was probably his most famous romantic comedy, but he's done so many. Um, Billy Crystal was actually uh, cast, he was cast because he was originally going to play Buzz Lightyear, or he was up for consideration for that role. Um, lost it to Tim Allen. He turned it down, you or said he, last night. Or he turned, oh, that's right. Yep, yep. Mm -hmm. Why did he, he turn down the part of Buzz Lightyear? Maybe he just had different projects or? That and it was like, like toys animated and eh. yeah i was gonna say at the time they probably didn't think toy story was going to survive for decades yeah no kidding so he said it was one of his hugest regrets and then was like as eager to take the very next thing pixar offered him so and it, that I, i'm trying to figure out how on earth that buzz lightyear would have worked with billy crystal's voice tim allen is just so masculine and like you know Commando-y for Buzz Lightyear is a star commander like Billy Billy Crystal what I don't know I don't get it maybe the character was different at that point you well it's these uh, yeah these movies go through so many iterations uh, during the development phase and uh, it, it's hard for them to sort of get a finalized script that's that's something that um, the head of Pixar Ed Catmull writes about in some of his words uh, I've, I've got his book here and he talks about just trying to streamline the process of, uh, you know, getting their films made. And um, you don't have a script yeah. and then shoot it, apparently. Yeah, well, because animation, you can, I mean, as long as you've got the characters built and designed and the sets built and, you know, you can, there's a lot of room to play. You're not stuck to scheduling, you know, a specific location for a specific day and, and having, you know, an actor, you know, on contract for, a certain number of weeks uh you, you just call your actor in you know whenever you want to do a recording session i mean they'll do those you know john well in this case like pete doctor he, he'd maybe fly down to la for a recording session you know a couple times a week you know whenever actors are available they're recording in the studio for uh, you know just one at a time they're not together although billy crystal and John Goodman did record some of their lines together in this film, which was fairly unusual nice. for animation at the time because they're, they're just playing a couple of average dudes who happen to be monsters. That's one of the charms of this movie. It's just sort of a blue collar comedy set in this crazy, zany, fantastical world. Um, and, and like there's, they're at this company called Monsters Incorporated. You know, it has locker rooms, toilets, like, human toilets for some reason even though all these monsters there's like every imaginable type and size and you know creature um, at least what they're capable of rendering circa 2001 a lot of simple and shape. none of them have buttholes as far as we can tell they aren't the most anatomically uh, accurate oh well who, who are we to say whether they're an anatomically correct because they're monsters and <laughs> They're, they're very, they're simple rudimentary designs by today's standards, but like we know that they, they are creatures not like us mm -hmm. and yet live much like us. Mm -hmm. And uh, that just makes it relatable and, and fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, the whole moment between Mike and Sully where he's like, can I have some of your odorant? <laughs> that, that was apparently improvised. 
Um, Improvise. Oh yeah, my gosh. Because yeah. the names are they're so funny. That's one of the funniest bits. I... Let's see here. I've got some uh, dirty. You're a monster. What would you wear? <laughs> Smelly garbage. <laughs> Old dumpster. Uh, how about some low tide? You got any low tide? Or, or wait. Low tide. And he's, he's like, no, I'm fresh out of that. Hey, what about any wet dog? Any wet dog? <laughs> so they're just coming up with things that sting. Is that the one he gave him, wet dog? Yeah, or... yeah, yeah. Here. And the, that ended up working itself into like the story of the finished film. Yeah. Feel so bad for that monster in like the first scene when they're walking down the street and the slime monster is reading his newspaper and, and slides onto a grate and then just falls through <laughs> yeah. it, on it. He is so so screwed. Like I it it like I felt pain when that happened this time, which was imagine just you're still sentient, but your teeth are clattering on this metal grate and your body has disappeared into the sewage system. Like have fun being sentient from that day forward like <laughs> you're dead i mean he, he just needs to go to the the goo store and replenish oh probably can you drop my teeth and my eyeballs in a bucket of um yeah flarp it's probably not exactly like the t1000 from terminator 2 because like that his whole you know being is is liquid metal um, whereas this goo monster, you know, he's like flubber. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's flubber except for his eyes and teeth. <laughs> he's evolved flubber. <laughs> I'd watch a whole movie about that. Flubber gets a day job. <laughs> the gl the gritty flubber soft reboot is evolved flubber and the like uprising against their takeover of the world. But yeah, so I mean, it's this uh, movie contrasts the mundane and the familiar with the wild and crazy um, in an excellent way. Yeah, it's never so annoying or there's nothing that's like so jarring or nonsensical or like that I'm completely thrown out of the moment. There are a couple moments, maybe you want to talk about some of those where like the only real times like pure logic was just broken, I guess. Like Which were, ones? I'm trying to think in my head, but did they, did you notice them watching last night? The worst one for me, and, and we'll jump around here in the story a bit, uh, but w when Mike and Sully get sent to Nepal, they, they get sent to the Himalayas when they're banished. Oh man, the It just so happens that that evening, monsters are scaring kids in the, the closest village to where they were banished. Yeah. And the, they, you hear all them scream as the lights come on one by one by one. And it's a village that he said was a three days journey, but he could slide down the hill in like, you know, 10 minutes or whatever. Yeah, I but guess. However long it would take uh, Mr. Waternoose and Randall to carry Boo down to the basement and put her in the machine. That's how long that Sully and Mike had to have an argument or to meet the snowman, get taken to his cave, have an argument and sled down the hill to the village. Wow. Yeah, I mean, they, the distance Rand between Waternoose and Randall walking to the basement—they had that much time. <laughs> they must have like gone coffee or um, had lunch. But the story's so good. I did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Um, Boo grabbing onto his like when he's searching for Boo and she he can't find her and she's nowhere to be seen. Like he's he's put her in her bed. Yeah. 
he he gets steps on a bunch of things he runs yeah. out of the door slams the door and then there's she's nowhere in sight she's not near him Mm-hmm. We see him run away with that little duck toy, and runs all the way to the bathrooms. Lot puts puts it all in a locker, mm-hmm. and then he like finally breathes, turns around, and there she is on his back. Doesn't make any sense, but you know, it, it, she's just uh, obscured by all the hair. She was like buried in this fur, and she- well. That makes more sense than you think, considering that the orange dude, because I don't know characters, names all of them. Oh, but George dude. Sanderson. Yeah, George the guy, San- the guy oh, who got George. 2319. The guy who got 2319. Well, I was about to mention how he got 2319. There's a sock resting on the surface of his fur. He gets fully shaven, and the sock is adhered to his flesh. So, like, <laughs> cutting off the hair didn't cut off the sock. The so- <laughs> Were there two socks? Wait, no. Uh, what, are you talking about like they shave him and then one of the CDA members like rips something off of his rips back? This, yeah. That well, I thought he was just ripping off a patch of hair that they missed. No, he's ripping the sock off. What? Heck yeah! Oh mm, yeah! I'm gonna YouTube this. I right. thought it was just like a random patch of hair, and, and like just for comedy, because there are like little splotches of hair left around his naked skin. That they have and a they the cone on him like a dog. <laughs> yeah. it's a cone. I just—it's hilarious to me. It's a little animal moment. Like he can't resist licking his wound or something, what? or licking himself. No kidding. Um, I'm gonna. I'm okay. I'm pulling up a video of it. The 2319. Yeah, this is important. Because the sock is still on him after they shave him down. You guys should. I know Jody's on. Got a short timetable, so you guys should keep talking about something else while I find it. <laughs> That's okay. Okay. Got the sock. The you have to fact check. It's important for the listeners. Okay. It it's not the sock, obviously, because they they take the sock off right away and just blow mm-hmm. it up. But it's yeah. also not simply a patch of fur. It's 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 got a unique texture to it. Okay. Now. So this was all moot because yeah, they they blow up the sock. I, why? Yeah, no, whatever. because if you look at the video, it's clearly not fur. It like looks like a sock. So that yes, I'm dumb, but also in my mind, like ever since a child, it's fur. It like, it's a patch like of fur. Moments. No, it's not fur. Thank you. Well, he gets that done uh, like two and a half times, because <laughs> then later, yeah, that that like mobile that Sully runs into and the duck toy and all that stuff, like it comes out of the locker that he slams it into that the you know stuffs all that stuff into and then. It tumbles out onto George Sanderson again. Great uh, But he's already naked, so it's not as bad. And then later, his partner, like, well, that's when uh, Sully comes bursting out of the door in the nice in Nepal. Nice Nepal, yeah. <laughs> and, then he, and then there's another sock. Um, but <laughs> George just takes it, shoves it in the mouth of his partner and ditches him in the door. <laughs> It's like yeah. banishment isn't particularly effective in the monster world, is it? I mean, even when they throw Randall into the door and then they shatter the light, it's like, huh, we'll never see him again. Well, yeah. no, I mean, he could go in through any other closet in the world if he if he survives the hillbillies. Yeah, yes, yeah, so Randall could could definitely come back. Um, they haven't explored that in any sequels. I mean, we've gotten the one prequel. Is there a sequel to it? I know that there's Monster High, which I haven't seen, but did they ever make another? 
there could be spin-offs of some kind like comics or i don't know uh monster high oh monster university oh isn't that the prequel monster yeah. university i wouldn't have been surprised if there was like a, a mini series called monster high though so that's what so i thought you knew no, there actually is that's like a it's, it's like unrelated to uh, yeah it's not it's not pixar or disney or anything it's just like a doll line for kids like vampire oh yeah them okay um well so th there there are a few things that the movie retains from its original treatment uh which dawson did you see last night uh, we saw some of the dvd extras and yes. there was a storyboarded version like an animatic of the original uh treatment which was which featured just one single main monster um, and like one holdover that that remained in the final product. It's like, he's just named Johnson. It's just a very, you know, plain uh, type of name, you know, and um, he, you know, works for Monsters Inc. And then he like bef befriends a human girl who, you know, is able to come into the monster world. Um, but a lot of changes. Because he's a, a, a half-baked scarer, and she is really scary. So he, like, wants her to help him scare. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, that's really interesting. So that's kind of where the original story, like, where th what they were thinking before they, you know, changed everything. That was their Isn't original. crazy? Thought? Like, the difference between from A to B in this film, mm -hmm. and I want to say particularly, but maybe this is just as typical of literally any animated film. I mean, it, but it seems... It was amazing how, like, there, yeah, draft one in like almost in no way resembled draft two, just in a couple characters and vague ideas. But like, yeah, yeah, this Johnson monster kind of resembles the uh, monster in the beginning of the film. You know, the cold open with the, you know, kid in his room, um, and it ends up being a simulation. You know, during a, a training sequence uh, at, at Monsters Inc. They're trying to train the new recruits. But yeah, that monster from that sequence is kind of like Johnson in the original concept. Um, and, and of course, he, he's also a mediocre scarer. So that that still holds. Um, but then yeah, they the one monster eventually morphed into two and, and the you know, they came up with the comedic duo of, uh, you know, John Goodman and Billy Crystal that ended up driving most of the story. I was going to say, I think they really chose the right path because those two characters play off each other so well. It's so difficult for me to imagine just one. And I also don't want to imagine having a scary kid because Boo, that cute little Boo, oh, like half the reason I love that movie. Every scene she's in, she's so adorable. And all her sounds that she makes and her way she falls asleep, I, I'm happy that they decided to go it's to It's unbearable. Watching Boo is like... I mean, it makes me want kids, and that's like that's no good. So, <laughs> but she's great. Yeah, she's incredible. Um, the Foley, yeah. Who who did they who did did they use one of the producers or uh, designers' kids to voice? Yeah, yeah. yeah it was um, one of the artists, right? Like, because I remember at one point I looked up if she had a name because I was like, oh, her name can't be Boo. And when I when I looked it up, it said that in some book later on they call her Mary Gibbs. And yep. that's the name of one of the artist's daughters. So she was actually, I don't know if the aesthetics of her is based off of his daughter, but she herself is based off of it. Yeah, she's a little blonde girl, uh, Mary Gibbs. Uh, she's the daughter of Rob Gibbs, story artist from Pixar. Hmm. 
How and, fun would it be to know that you were the kid that Boo was based off of? You know, like grow up and watch the movie and like think that that was your childhood almost, like a big piece of it at least. She, yeah, she probably Friggin barely remembers it. But you, you know, win, literally. I, what? I was gonna say, do you know if an actual child did the voice of Boo, or was oh, it yeah, an adult? Oh yeah, Mary Gibbs. That's oh, her. Oh, yeah, she actress. did the voice as well. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's okay. That makes so much sense. That's so sweet to imagine her in there with the right. microphone and the headphones, gurgling and laughing. Mm -hmm. I wonder if they got it all done in like one day or something. They well, just it might or... be difficult to make a two or three year old make the sounds you want it wasn't yeah it was all within a fairly contained amount of time i, I don't think she aged too much during their sessions with her um and, and that was probably an element of the story that came a little later like the fact that she was a two-year-old girl because she was originally supposed to be you know closer to you know seven or eight Gary. That, the, the original mary yeah and in that treatment the girl's name was Mary, who was desensitized and uh, a more capable scarer than Johnson. I like that that played into the into the world of the story, the fact that, you know, the it, there was a fuel crisis potentially because of the fact that kids have been becoming more desensitized. So they kept that element in that. Yeah. Yeah. Innocence is uh, what's the window of innocence is narrowing. <laughs> the wind. That's true. Uh, yeah, that they say that the literally. window of innocence is closing, <laughs> and this the kid is like watching violent, and like his face just falls in the bowl of fruit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's clearly the kid from the simulation. I forget with the story you guys watched it more recently, but when do they find out? Is it when Boo is in Mike and Sully's home that they realize laughter is more powerful? And do they ever present that to, uh, not Randall, but the the CEO guy. Do they ever think laughter is more powerful? Let's try it. I kept wanting there to be an opportunity. And as I was watching, I was like, okay, there's probably a chance where a lot of this conflict would be avoided with Waternews and Randall if Sully and Mike said, hey, look, this kid, like, laughter is better than screaming. But there really isn't time for that. Like, the action kind of moves so quick. So, but, because they um, have the scream machine. Mm -hmm. they're, they're, they're already, you know, mm -hmm. hell-bent on, on making that project come to life, and, uh, which is so creepy. But yeah, the first time she laughs and causes the power surge is when they're in, her, when they're in their apartment. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't know how th there's, there could be any, you know, logistical reason for that <laughs> scream extractor device uh, to, you know. You'd think it would only sound like... <laughs> <laughs> to eventually replace yeah the traditional scaring because because yeah like you're having to abduct a bunch of kids now and you're trying to maintain this whole conspiracy about how kids are toxic and and, and so now you're just inviting you know trying to secretly mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah this movie's falling apart before my eyes um well <laughs> supposed to kill them because there's that scene where randall captures Mike and then they end up replacing Mike with someone else and they strap him in and use the machine and it looks like all of his blood is like sucked yeah. out of his body. It sucked you into his lips. Kill the children? I mean, it could kill them. Maybe, you know, I, who knows. It would not be thinking. fuel efficient at all. And I suppose the movie couldn't be rated G if that's <laughs> what happened. That's in the gritty soft reboot. Um. <laughs> so some of these details you're not supposed to think about too much. Uh, like the other, uh, this is 2001. I mean, 
it's great to have cartoons that aren't overly wrought and uh, filled with uh, lore and you know I, I, they tried to expand on Monsters Inc a little bit with the, you know the prequel but um, it's it's really just supposed to be for our immediate comedic enjoyment and the main I guess struggle of of the film was just in developing all the the visual innovation that went into making it you know Sully looks great like he's the uh, this fully furry creature and um I, I feel like the look his appearance does hold up pretty well for a film from 2001 I agree yeah if you think about it this movie's on the cusp of being a, a decade old and mm. like I said or I was watching two decades mm-hmm. oh wow two decades old mm-hmm. yeah okay i'm really old okay well okay two decades old um and i watched those trailers and if i saw those trailers now i would still think the animation was like good maybe not out of this world but it holds up really well as good as a lot of like tv animation i mean the fur there's in some of the earlier seasons of clone wars which came out in like what 2008 or or something so like six years after uh, Incredibles, they have fur collars on their coats, just collars. That's it. And they like look like plastic bubbly. It's like clearly yeah. not fur. Yeah, so they, they don't really yeah. on that. They, it's like technology that had already existed and had been technically mastered. You know, not everyone was still implementing because mm-hmm. it must have just been that difficult. Well, the other computer animated films from that year were Shrek, uh, which oh. came out in May. Um, this, this was in November. Um, and then also, uh, and I, I'm getting this from the list of nominees for best animated film from the year 2001. Uh, the the winner was Shrek. Um, oh yes. But the uh, wait, Shrek was 2002. Uh, 2001. Oh, same as Monsters. Monsters Inc. was 2001. Yeah, didn't I say that? Like you did. Then I said <laughs> one decade, and then I realized it's been two. Yeah. Okay, no, because I in my in my mind I I the link that you sent to the teaser trailer said that this was the teaser trailer that came out in 2001. So then I thought that the movie must have come out in 2002. Oh Sorry. no, no, that yeah, that was when, a, when a Harry Potter concurrent uh, yeah. theatrical trailer. Then I was going to say the other animated film in 2002 was Reign of Fire, the one about dragons with Matthew McConaughey and Gerard mm-hmm. Butler, but and Christian Bale, because uh, yeah. those dragons are kind of dope, but. I'm trying to think if there were any other computer animated movies from that year. I'm not sure which year was Final Fantasy Spirits within. I think that was 2000. But um, Jimmy Neutron, Boy Genius, <laughs> was 2001. Yes. Spirits Within was 2001. Good job. Oh, no way. But it wasn't nominated for an Oscar. <laughs> Heck no. <laughs> Gosh. Well, ne- neither was Atlantis, which came out that year. A, sp- a special effect without a story is uh, not a very interesting thing. Exactly. But uh, interesting to see that Jimmy Neutron was nominated for an Oscar. How far we've come. Ahead of, ahead of a, like a, a near, a, a film that attempted to be photorealistic with its animation. Like Jimmy mm-hmm. Neutron. Heck yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Spirits Within's budget was $137 million and it only made 85 at the box office. Oh no. What was Monsters Inc.'s bu- budget? Like what's something to compare it to? Oof. It's um, probably okay. One hundred fifteen million dollars estimated budget on Monsters Inc. And do you know what it what it brought back? Well, cumulative worldwide was five hundred sixty two million eight hundred thousand. Uh, just a little better. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Wait, just well, 
Uh, just in the U.S., just in the U.S., it made two eighty nine. Uh, okay, two ninety million. Jeez. Uh, worldwide, about five sixty three. So yeah, it's very, I mean, highly successful film. Um, it's got a few, you know, very cartoon esque sort of leaps in in logic for for a movie that tries to sort of ground itself in a believable world. But other than that, you know, it's yeah, it's one of the greats of uh of computer animation one of the more innovative films uh to have uh to have ever been made i would say at what point were pixar films not innovative like what like um, each film probably had its own like innovations was yeah. the one that suddenly wasn't as innovated as its predecessors maybe i i don't think necessarily because you're always there's always been room to grow in computer animation, there probably hasn't been a new challenge that like hasn't faced Pixar with each new film or. And I think they've always been pushing themselves. Yeah. And now I'm sure a lot of it is trying to figure a way to speed it up. I mean, like once you figure out the process, like how do you make it more efficient? Like, you know what I mean? No kidding. Because five years is too long. Uh, This, this was the first, post 9-11 animated film. The world needed it then, huh? Kind of, you know, like something light. Mm-hmm. That's true. Okay, another Saturday night alone means one thing, charades! Here we go. Okay, Sully, hmm. your turn. It's a, it's a book, book, a book and a pencil sharpener. It's your, it's a movie. Two words, okay, two words, all right, first word. Stinky. It's this. It's a stench. No. Okay. It's a Harry. 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 When Harry met Sully. No. You're very hairy, and you're digging. Uh, you got dirt. Dirt. Harry. Dirt. Dirty Harry is not this. No. It's a. It's a pot. You're Harry flower pot. You're a hairy farmer. Harry Gardner. I. I got it. The sound of music. Where you going? Wait, where you going? Come on! Wait, I got it! Harry Potter! Movie, two words, Star Wars. How do you do that? So this movie's had a pretty rich legacy. Uh, I just saw a poster for Kingdom Hearts 3 with Mike and Sully on it. Heck yeah! So yeah, but you Kingdom don't care Hearts about and, Kingdom Hearts, so I don't. See well, that. I don't have time for Kingdom Hearts. I mean, geez. Oh. But I well, I I will need to make time at some point in my life because the you know Frozen's now in the, the game and yeah, you know, a lot lot of new Disney characters. Big Hero Six is a big feature, and a lot of Pixar characters. It's like one of the most beautiful stories ever told in the video game. But yeah, no, it's it's uh, it'll be fun to visit when I get the chance. Yeah, so. This this movie uh, kind of wraps up in a nice, neat little bow at the end with uh, in a neat little boo. <laughs> neat little oh, boo. cute! Say that a cute little boo, neat little boo. Yeah. With with the callback to the scene from the beginning in the scare simulator, Mike like leads some of the their pursuers like as as they're being chased by the the CDA, the Child Detection Agency, you know through. Monsters Inc. to uh, they they think that Mike and Sully are you know the culprits because they brought a human into the into the world, but instead like 
they come up with this plan, like I guess immediately after this whole uh, ordeal in the door vault, which was a pretty cool scene with, with all the, you know, the giant room. I think that's one of the most memorable scenes in the movie. That's awesome. As they jump from door to door. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The true culprit, the, the true villains are revealed as, yeah. Um, Mr. Water News, the uh, CEO uh, is revealed to be uh, behind the scheme that uh, Randall, the, uh, the rival. He's like the puppet master, the puppet master of the show because for, for a long time, I, I think it's almost the first half or three fourths of the movie, you think it's all Randall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Water News is so good to Sully. Like he's so on Sully's side. And so it's so tragic when he ends up being the one to banish him later. Like that scene always made me so vengeful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This isn't her door. No, it's yours. <laughs> that, yeah, that is a jarring twist for a young kid. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not as bad as like Hans being evil. Like, there's a, like a lot more dramatic ones. Yeah. Now, I think, but that is, I I remember watching as a kid and being like, oh, I didn't know it was him. And when he slams the door open and closed and open and closed, and there's nothing on the other side, that's like, <laughs> I don't know, man. Yeah. And it, the movie feels so much longer then too. It feels like they're stuck there forever. But or at so, least apparently, be. because they programmed that door in Nepal. Uh, then the, that later that same day, like all the the doors that were brought to the scare floors were also from a, a similar vicinity. Uh, my only logical yeah, way of reconciling, because they, <laughs> they do time zones at different at different times of the day. So yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I guess it's based on they're organized based on time zones. Yeah, the the scares. Yeah, inside the Monsters, Inc. building, they have that big map, I think, that, like, lights up as they're moving through. Do you know what I'm mm-hmm. talking about? And they're, like, office yeah. headquarters, or I guess they're, like, yeah. floor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a, a neat detail. I think, though, my favorite scene, or at least the most touching one, is when he's saying goodbye to Boo at the end. I think that one's so sweet. And I always wanted them to do a sequel where, like, Boo came back. Or something like that. Do you know what Monsters I mean? Monsters Inc. Three. Boo so comes much. back. Boo comes back, or something like that, because he he really loves her and she really trusts him. That that relationship build, I love a lot. No, maybe like her parents die or something, and like, <laughs> well, I don't want her parents to die. Well, maybe she like becomes a friend, and they like so like she comes back and forth between the monsters world, like as she's growing up, like you know she just anytime she wants to, she can walk walk through a closet and like go hang out there. So maybe if after a few years, it's then there's this custody battle between like her evil aunt and uncle and then Sully back in the monster world. That'd be kind of a fun. Well, like they they have to go to the human world so that they can sign the papers uh, and go to co- the court hearings to make sure that they, he gets custody of Boo and not evil Uncle Albert or something. That reminds me of like James and the Giant Peach when James wants to go live in the peach instead of with his aunts or something. Oh, man. Oh, that's a good movie too. There's like a theory that the uh, old witch in Brave is actually Boo, because Boo, you know, because of her knowledge of the monster world, knows that, that magic exists, and so she becomes like a, you know, a universe hopping, or you know, a, she, she's capable of uh, 
traveling through time, should I, shall I say. And, and in the same theory, like the monster world is actually a future version of our world. So when they're going through the doors, they're actually traveling through time. Oh, see, I love that. That makes wonderful sense. I, well, no, it doesn't make any sense at all, but it makes wonderful sense. Well, that's what's kind of fun about Monsters, Inc. not having like a concrete sequel is you can sort of believe what you, you know what I mean? You can take the story wherever you want. And I think that's the best part about any movie is where like after the movie's done, you spend enough time thinking about, well, what happens next? Because it truly means that they made a believable world with characters that you genuinely care about because others you'd be like, okay, that's the movie. But if people are still kind of cultivating bits and pieces, uh, it just means there's a home run for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, who knows if we'll get a fully realized sequel to this movie, but it's probably a good chance at some point. You know, they've already made one spinoff, so if they uh, run out of ideas, as they say, in they could do Monster High. Keep, just keep going back, <laughs> no. and, and then, then Monster, Monster Elementary. Preschool. Yep, Elementary. Yeah. <laughs> Monster Daycare. Well, they do have little baby monsters in the movie. Like when Boo is dressed up as a monster, they have a little. Yeah. They're very sweet. My gosh. But Mike and Sully met in college, we know, so they can't. So anything earlier than that, we we wouldn't have them together. Mm -hmm. We just dream about it. Yeah. I mean, that's one thing that, that Pixar has always sort of striven to avoid is you know do playing things safe and just coming up with endless you know lion king one and a half and <laughs> lion king toy story don't people like lion king one and a half wasn't it uh it looks off i remember it being boring but I'm, I'm pretty sure it's pretty terrible uh it could be a prequel about water nooses abusive childhood <laughs> <laughs> that might be <laughs> actually that would be an interesting character to explore. I'll give you that. I mean, yeah, going through life when most people are bipeds and you've got this crab thing, like that's gotta be hard. <laughs> he's, he's got such a cool design. The woman, the monsters you, <laughs> Jody's making spider spiders out of her hands. Like I remember when I was taught that, when I was a wee lad, um, who, the the dean of the college or whatever in Monsters U, she's the freakiest monster of of like all time. Mm-hmm. Um, no, she's kind of like talk a, about that movie. I haven't seen it. Oh really? Well, she's like a mantis shrimp or some something. She's bat wings too, so she's an amalgamation of horror. Yeah, just quite the motley crew of creative characters here. Uh, Steve Buscemi voiced Randall, Randall Boggs. Uh, kind of a serpentine monster gets confused for a gator at the end. Uh, yeah, James Coburn is water news. Uh, they get great actors to play the roles, and of course, it's uh, you know not as difficult with animation because you it doesn't take nearly as long to just record lines. You can schedule them kind of around these actors' schedules. Sounds like a good deal. Yeah. Frank Oz, I guess, plays Fungus. The, uh, Which one is Fungus again? Uh, Randall's Orange assistant. Guy? Randall's assistant, oh, yeah. yeah. That, yep. The one who gets the screen. He's got such an ordinary, like, nerd voice, kind of. 
Yeah, well, and, and like when they hook him up to the scream extractor, he's not strapped down at all, which means like Sully maybe just stuck him right to the nozzle of that thing, which is kind of cruel, or more likely, which I like to believe is <laughs> he was like curious and he wanted to actually try to see what it felt like <laughs> to get his... <laughs> <laughs> to get his <laughs> it was like sort of an autoerotic asphyxiation <laughs> oh my it reminds uh, me of in princess bride when they take wesley down into the dungeon and like they have to pull the lever and it like sucks the life out of him i think yeah yeah it's okay, similar yeah, it's just similar i've just sucked five years of your life away jennifer tilly <laughs> plays celia she's interesting character she she was in liar liar what else has she done um seed of seed of chucky let's see she was in a bunch of chucky movies well i've never seen any of them and i don't plan to yeah she's kind of a Not my cup comedic actress uh kind of came up in the in the 90s has that sort of uh classic uh femme fatale shrill voice <laughs> say, nowadays if they would have cast that character what was her name again with the snakes jennifer tilly oh celia celia they i know who they would have picked they would have picked the girl who voices um on bob's burgers the little girl with the pink hat that actress you know I that voice actor that. Uh, i need to oh, no, okay. no. have you seen last man on earth um no Okay, no. cut this whole part out then, because I don't remember. No, her name. well, but, I mean, I kept thinking she sounded like Vanellope von Schweet, so I was like, they might. Oh, that would you know, be a like really that. good one. Sarah Silverman. That would be a great one. Sarah Silverman, yeah. Well, when I was trying to like, I know Celia, like, who's her voice? I just kept thinking of those live-action Mario Brothers clips and like Princess Peach <laughs> in those. Uh, <laughs> They're hor it's horrible, like, um, and really funny. I don't know. I think, I think you're talking about, and is it Louise? Uh, yeah, the, Louise, the, the voice of Louise Belcher would be a great Celia voice, Louise I think. Belcher. Played by Kristen Skull. I think that's how you, you know it. her voice. She's famous. Yeah, uh, and she, so she was in Last Man on Earth with... Um, or, we didn't prep enough for this conversation because I don't know anyone's names, no, but I just okay. thought that if they remade the movie now, that's someone they would have considered. But I think they did a great job with all the voice actors that they picked. Last Man on Earth with, she plays Carol. All right, uh, Jody, so you, you've got kind of a hard out here. So we're, we're going to finish this out. I, I like how you, you identified that final scene as, as your favorite, which I think many people would agree when when Mike reassembles the door and uh, Sully meets Boo, and it's just a close-up on his face. Mm -hmm. uh, and that scene was actually animated by the director, Pete Docter. It was like the one bit of animation he did himself on the film. Uh, I love that. That oh. makes it even more special of a scene, I think. Yeah. More heartwarming. Claimed. Put his personal touch on it. Yeah, wow. he would go on to do Up and Inside Out and have a have a strong legacy of animation and, and directing at Pixar. Actually, John Laster's last bit of animation that he did, you know, director of Toy Story and Toy Story 2, Bugs Life, he, he uh, animated that sequence, the test sequence with Billy Crystal, um, like they, for Toy Story, did 
uh, scene of Buzz Lightyear animated to a scene from When Harry Met Sally uh, with Billy Crystal's voice. That's, that's how uh, Billy Crystal became considered for the role of Buzz Lightyear. But um, mm. anyways, yeah. Uh, well, thanks for joining us, Jody. Thank, thank you all for listening. Uh, this has been yeah, kind of a, a short, brief little episode, but uh, we just want to get it out for happy 2319. And we'll be back next week uh, with the review of, of an Academy Award nominated. Wait, no, um, maybe it was Academy Award nominated, but we're going to be talking... <laughs> We're going to be talking Lego movies uh, in our uh, next upcoming episodes, and then we'll get yeah. into some of the Academy Award nominations. So we've been the Thodcast. You can find the Thodcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher. Uh, I'm Philip Elke, your host of the Thodcast, conversations about animation. And I am joined by, uh, from Georgia, uh, Jody Plasky. Everyone, I'm waving goodbye. You can never see me, but I'm always doing it. And I just wanted to remind everyone the most shocking information in this podcast was that Monsters, Inc. came out almost 20 years ago, not 10. It's crazy. Uh, and also, my brother, Dawson. Hey, thanks for, thanks for listening. It's been good. Also, this was my fun fact that I didn't say. Okay. Um, Monsters, Inc., this was the first time they tried doing each character had its like own animator. Like one animator per main character and they like animated just their character or something like that. I couldn't remember exactly what it was, but it was my fun fact and I'll talk to you guys later, but I have to go like to the airport. The airport here is literally okay. just not like LAX. <laughs> See you cool. later. Talk to you later. Right. See ya. Bye.